John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, my sheep, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them. They follow me. So here's the good news. God desires to communicate with his people, people that have been uh, born again, people that are saved, people that have repented of their sin and placed their faith and confidence in Christ and him alone. I got good news for you. God desires to communicate with you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a personal relationship with you. But here's what I know. In order for meaningful relationships to take place, healthy communication is essential. Barb and I just celebrated 26 years of marriage on Thursday. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my, yeah. Chris, I'm about to break out in song up here. Yeah, we are. But you know, the problem with communication is it can be very difficult. Come on. It can be very difficult. Sometimes when Barb speaks, I either don't hear her, come on, or I don't understand, or I just don't listen. I'm sure I'm the only man in the room like that. Come on, ladies. Am I the only freak in this room like that? But men, there's two things you need to understand about women. And I have no clue what they are. No. <laughs> Communication can be difficult. Yes, it can. And, and it's so easy for me to become so familiar with Barb after being with her for 26 years that I just kind of assume I know her heart or I kind of assume that I know what she is trying to say. I'm not going to play on the word assume. I'm in church. I love Jesus. But here's the reality. If I struggle communicating with my wife that I know, that I see, that I love, reality is we're all going to struggle. We all will struggle communicating with God at times because we don't see him and we can't touch him. Every person in this room has struggled in their communication with God. Every person in this room has struggled in their prayer life with God. Every person in this room has battled at times, am I really hearing from the Lord or not? Now, I am very skeptical and suspicious of these spiritual cats that come up to me and every day they've got a word from God. Come on, Steve Joyner. So he knows it. He's been around some of this Pentecostal and charismatic, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, man. Hey, we got a word from God, brother. And every day, Rick, they come up and they're like, man, I've got a fresh word from God. There's been some stupid things done by people who always hear from God. Who always hear from God. If God does give you a word, has he given you permission to share it with everybody else? You got to be careful with this. So do I believe that God speaks? Yes. Do I hear from God at times? Yes. When Barb calls me, I don't say, remind me who this is. Come on, brother, that gets slapped. I know her voice. Do I know the father's voice? Does he speak at times? Yes, he does. 
Do I hear from him 24-7, 365? No. I promise you if you go into my office, I do not have sitting on my desk the God phone. That thing don't ring. Hey, brother, I got a word for you and Nick, man. I just want you to know what is up for this week. That would make it a lot easier. I check my phone all the time. I have never got a text from God saying, brother, or an email. We all wish that we could just get that much clarity. But reality is, you've got to hang with God. You, you've got to spend time with God. You, you've got to learn to hear God's voice. But even at times, you're going to still sit there and go, Nick, I don't know if I'm really clear on what God's saying right now. But God desires to communicate with us. And there's certain things I believe each and every one of us can do that will enhance our ability to really hear from God and communicate with God. Now, Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4, Jesus tells a story. He said, the sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell beside the road. It was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it. Other seed fell on rocky soil. As soon as it grew up, it withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns, weeds grew up and choked it out. Yet other seed fell into good soil, and it grew up and produced a crop about a hundred times as great. As he was saying these things, this is Master Jesus, he would call out and say, he who has ears to hear let him hear, which modern translation is, hey, listen up. Listen, take to heart what I'm saying, incorporate what I'm saying. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you go back and study farming some 2,000 years ago, there was a, uh, the farmers used a system called broadcasting. He would have like this leather pouch on him. A seed would be down in this leather pouch and he would reach down and as he was walking through this field of this tilled soil, he would just scatter seed. And he would just scatter seed. Now that's the backdrop of what he's talking about here. The sower is sowing. Who's the sower today? I am. What's the seed? The seed is the word of God. The issue in this and the contemplation in this parable here, earthly story with a heavenly meaning, is all about the soil. It's all about you sitting there today and evaluating what kind of soil am I and what do I need to do to become the kind of soil that God can grow something in that will bring about fruit and maturation. Makes sense. That's what we're going to be talking about here today. So there are four soils are really four heart attitudes. I want to give you four simple principles that are in your bulletin. Number one, cultivate a heart for God. The first thing we have to do is to cultivate a heart for God, which means I've got to want to hear from God. I've got to want God to speak to me. I've got to be ready, receptive, and willing to do whatever it takes to keep these lines of communication and connectivity with God wide open. The reason a lot of people never hear from God is they're not even open to the possibility of God speaking to them. That's the truth. So if I did a just a random walkthrough and I stopped and said, have you ever heard God speak to you? How would you answer it? 
Have you ever heard God speak to you? Now, I'm not saying there was this thundering voice out of the heavens and all of a sudden, bam, yeah, I got it. But sometimes maybe for a few, it's been that way. But I'm talking about in that still, small, quiet voice, have you heard God speak? And if you haven't, it's probably because you've never been open to the possibility of it. Or it's because you've never repented and asked Christ to save you and the Holy Spirit has not been deposited in you and you can't receive from God because you haven't been born again. So when he talks about this first soil here, it's very, very interesting. The sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road. It was trampled under feet. Birds of the air came and ate it. Verse 12, those beside the road, those beside the road are those who have heard. Oh, I've heard the word, brother. Yeah, I've been to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've even read our daily bread three times in my life. Yeah, yeah, you you know, I've heard it. But the devil comes and takes it away so that they will not believe, they will not believe, and they will not be saved. There's a lot of people that have false hope, that have gone to church, that have sat there, that have heard thinking they're okay. Just because you've heard don't mean anything. We're talking about listen up. Now, here's the fundamental problem with this first soil. In those fields where they would throw seed and harvest crop, there was always a footpath. Farmers would use their footpath, and this would be where they would walk as they would scatter. It was not a huge, wide area. It it was a narrow area. So when you study footpaths, you make two observations about them. One, they're incredibly hard because of all the foot traffic. Two, they're incredibly narrow because they don't want to take up too much space that would detour from what they're trying to do in the field. They're hard, firm, not fertile, and they're narrow. Now, stop. You you know anybody like that? Come on, tell the truth. Has that been you here lately? You would say, man, I'm hard-hearted, and I'm narrow-minded and closed. I I can't receive. That's what Jesus said. The seed is being thrown, but it's hard and narrow, and there's there's no penetration of the seed. And and by the time it lays there for a little bit, you ain't doing nothing with it, and the devil just comes and jacks with you and steals the seed away before it can germinate and take root. Is that that you? You know anybody like that? I mean, they've stayed hard, and they've stayed narrow-minded. Now, I was thinking about this, so what causes people to be narrow-minded, closed-minded, and have a hard heart? And I got three things I wrote here, pride, fear, and bitterness. Pride. Pride says, I don't need God. I I can handle this one myself. I I can make this decision on my own, which pride is basically declaring, I know more than God really knows in this area, so I don't need God. This is is a problem. I, I, I got it, brother. Anytime we refuse to pray, it's pride. Anytime we declare our own subjective will over the sovereign will of God saying, I got it, 
it, it becomes prideful. And that creates a narrow mind and a calloused heart toward the things of God. And there's a lot of people just, they don't pray. They don't seek the face of God. They're not open to receiving from God new revelation and inspiration from the Holy Spirit. They're just closed, narrow, and hard. That's a bad place to be. Fear. Oh, man. I'm so afraid if I really surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. That's the testimony of my son last week. He's sitting up here telling his story. If I really give it all to God, what is he going to do? Is he going to take it away? Is he going to send me somewhere and make me do something different? And I think fear for a lot of people, keep them hard and keep them closed. I'm closed to the gospel. I'm closed because I don't want God disrupting me. I love staying on the throne. I love calling the shots, and I've got all this fear working inside of me. You know, the acrostic for fear is false evidence appearing real. And so we create these false scenarios, and we don't surrender and release, and we stay hard, and we stay closed and narrow. Another one is bitterness. And this one absolutely sabotages and kills people within the church. Man, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been rejected, you've been divorced, you've been abused, you've been just fill in the blank. And all of a sudden, this root of bitterness takes place in your heart, and you're just sitting there going, I'm so bitter, and it creates this hardness about you, and you become calloused, and God goes, the word can't penetrate. I I love you. I'm for you. You're running from me and not running to me. But if you would just trust me to work with you and let's cultivate a heart that can receive the word, then you would be able to respond to the goodness and you would move toward health and wholeness and healing and restoration. I want to do something with your heart, but you're just hard. And that's the one soil he talks about. James chapter 1 verse 21, great verse. Listen to what he says. He says, get rid of all the filth. Get rid of all the evil in your lives. Filth and evil. He ain't talking about just getting hammered and high every day. We're talking about fear. We're talking about pride. We're talking about bitterness. We're talking about anger. We're talking about resentment. We're talking about being hostile in our heart. Get rid of all that filth and evil. He calls it evil. Humbly accept the message of God. Humbly accept this message that God has planted in your hearts. It is strong enough to save your soul. What's going to save my soul? The Word of God. The seed of God. But what do I have to do? I've got to cultivate a heart to hear from God. Y'all jamming with me? Second thing would be this. If I'm really going to hear from the Lord, I've got to dedicate time to listen to Him. I've got to set aside time. I've got to be still, be quiet, and listen to God if I'm really ever going to have these breakthroughs with Him. Now, here's, here's the problem. We schedule lunch dates, vacations, different appointments, 
I mean, way back before we had all this technology and stuff, I had a little leather-bound day timer and a little calendar, and I used to carry that thing in my pocket, and I'm like, hold on, man, I got to write this down, man. I, gotta, I need to schedule this lunch next week or whatever. And now all I got to do is just put it on my iPhone, and it syncs up with my iPad, and we've got calendars all around. We, we schedule time for so many different things. But the question has to be asked, do you schedule time to hang out with God? Do you schedule time to just hang out with your Savior and your Maker and your Lord and your Master? Do you have that scheduled where you can just hang with Jesus? Now, getting up at 5 o'clock for some of you, you go, not doing that. Why? Being up at 5 this morning, can I tell you, not a creature was staring, not even a mouse. You know who interrupts me at 5 o'clock in the morning? Nobody. You know who bothers me at 5 o'clock in the morning? Maybe Cameron, the cat. And he'll walk to the door and look at me, and I'll let him out, and he can go take care of business, and nobody bothers me. Can you, can you dedicate time to hang out with God? What, what time of your day would, would, would you say, I, I need to start scheduling about a half hour to an hour to hang out with Jesus. What, is, what, what works best for you? Because, Nick, the reason a lot of people never hear and they never have a breakthrough is that they never dedicate time. We Americans are always in a hurry. That's the reason you see so much stupidity on the road, road rage, is because people's in a hurry and somebody else happens to cut them off and it messes up their hurry pay. We're always in a hurry. If your prayer time is, God, I got one minute, speak to me, I'm in a hurry, you don't have no relationship with the king. And there's so many people that function with God that way. Hey, I got one minute, hurry up, God, whatever you need to say, say it to me. He's not your cosmic puppet. He doesn't show up just at your demand. He's God, he's Abba, he's loving, he's agape, and he's like, I want you to hang out with me. I'm for you. Listen to what he says. Other seed fell on the rocky soil. As soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. They have no firm root. They believe for a short period of time. They fall away when temptation comes. When you study Israel, and speaking of withering away and drying up, if we don't turn the AC up a little bit in here, that's about where I'm going right now. <laughs> Brother, I'm working up a lather. So, so here, here's what I want you to know. I'm about to wither. Woo, it's humid up in here. Okay, but here's, here, here's what I'm saying. That's my way of saying, hey, is anybody else in here hot? I'm not, looking, I'm not talking about hot flashes today. I am done with those conversations. I know where those kind of land me. But Israel, if you go back and study Israel, much of Israel was built on a bedrock of limestone. So when Jesus gives this teaching here, it was a bedrock of limestone. What are you saying? I'm saying there was about three to four inches of topsoil on top of that bedrock of limestone. So they would go out and scatter seed, Jim, and it didn't have thick soil. And so by the time it starts to maybe grow just a little bit, all of a sudden the heat kicks in, 
and the sun beats down, and it doesn't have any root, and it can't contain any moisture. So what happens? It dies. There's so many people that come into church at times that will come up to me, one of our pastors, one of our elders, and say, man, that message moved me. Really. Uh, It moved me to tears. I I mean, it was like God was using you to speak directly to me. Really. But you never carve out time to let it sink in. You never get along with God and let it take root. And people will say that at times, and then three weeks later, they're nowhere to be found. Man, they'll come here and have this emotional moment. Following Jesus features emotion, but it's a spiritual transaction. And if you're only living from emotion to emotion, you're not going to last. You're not going to stay. It's like being built with no, no root system. And so the, the greatest thing you could do to dedicate time is to drive it in the ground today. Uh, we want an enthusiasm, but you've got to have commitment. You've got to have commitment and commit to say, I'm going to start tomorrow carving that 30 minutes out to just hang out with Jesus. I'm going to put my earplugs in and I'm going to turn on some worship. And whether it's listening to Nick or whether it's Jesus Culture, Hillsong or Third Day, whatever, I just want to spend some time starting to hang with Jesus. I want to dedicate that time to listen. And I've got my word and I've got my journal and I'm going to write down what he's telling me. And I'm just going to declare to him, I know you want to hang with me. You made me in your image and redeemed me with your blood and you filled me with your Holy Spirit and you want me to hang with you. But I, I just want to spend that time listening. What do you want me to do? What do I need to work on in my personal life? What do I need to work on in my marriage? Is there anything you're telling me to do right now? Can can all of us do that? Yeah, because we declare out of the gate that we want to grow. Do do we really want to grow? And so it's going to require dedicating time to hang with God. Listen to me. I've been around church culture now for 30 plus years. It is easy to be fascinated without becoming transformed. You, You can get fascinated with the glitz and glamour and whatever. It is easy to get fascinated with the things of God and never become committed. Drive the stake in in the ground. Whatever your June 2014 statement is, like my son Benji last week, what what is going to be that commitment, that surrender, that declaration? I'm going to hang with you every day. I'm going to hang with you every day. Tuesdays is like one of my favorite days. I I mean, I I dive down into the basement of our house, and I've got my office, and nobody comes in there. And I get about six hours of just reading and studying and preparation and hang time. And I mean, it's such a great day, right? But it's like the other days are going to be 20, 30, 45 minutes. Can you do that? You're allowing certain things to occupy your schedule. You're allowing certain things to occupy your time. Dedicate time to hang out with Abba. Here's a third one. If I'm going to really hear from God, I've got to eliminate distractions. Man, our minds become so crowded and flooded with things. We've got ambitions. We've got goals. We've got dreams. We've got things that are weighing us down. And our minds get so flooded and just so just crowded 
that we can't hear from God? You ever been there? I mean, you're so confused, and you're sitting there, and you're like, God, I, I can't hear from you because I, I'm not willing to eliminate some of this junk in my life. When I took this lead pastor job here three years ago, or three years ago, over six years ago now, uh, when I took it, I'm doing my own math over here, three times two is six. <laughs> Caleb, three times two is six. Yes. But anyway, I'm starting our, we're starting our seventh year now. That was a typographical error. Where in my notes? No, I misspoke. But here's here, here's the deal. Here's the point. Here's the point. There were certain things that I had to eliminate that were even good things at that time. I had started this Bible study at this barbecue joint uh, over in Alpharetta, Duluth area, some uh, twenty plus years ago, and I'm looking at that going, man, I love that study. I mean, I started it with like Terry Pendleton and Greg McMichael and Brett Butler. And I mean, that study had grown with Smoltz and Jeff Foxworth and all these dudes in it. And I'm like, man, that's such a great study. Then we had started an earlier study for businessmen. And so I had that study going on at nine. And then we start that businessmen study at seven. And I'm like, man, that thing started growing with writing and so many people in it. We had about 18, 20 guys in it. But when I took this lead pastor position here, I'm looking going, man, I can't do that every week. Even good things had to be eliminated for what you feel God is calling you to be is your best thing. I was going with Foxworthy down to the Atlanta mission every Tuesday morning. I mean, he's picking up a cooler of 50 Chick-fil-A biscuits and we're grabbing coffee and all these homeless guys that are in transition. And I looked at that Tuesday morning going, man, that's so awesome. But I can't do that and do all this over here. So when you start to eliminate, I'm not talking about just eliminating bad things and things that are, uh, you know are, are harmful for you. There might be some good things that you've allowed activity to replace God's anointing. And you're so busy doing so many things that you don't even have time to hang with God. You're doing all this great stuff you think in the name of God, but you're not spending any time to build that relationship with God. Come on. So I've got to eliminate distractions. Listen to what he says right here. Other seed fell among the thorns. Thorns grew up, choked it out. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard it. As they go on their way, it's choked out with worries, riches, and pleasures of this life, and it never brings any fruit toward maturation. What do you say? Worries. What do you say? Riches. What do you say? pleasures. Worries? Worries. It is impossible to worry and pray at the same time. You, you can't worry, which means be so consumed with whatever you're struggling with and pray at the same time. I can take that. Remember, remember, remember? I don't go to God and say, let me tell you how big this problem I'm dealing with is, and the focus be on the problem. I go to the problem and say, problem, let me tell you how big my God is. When I pray, it's taking whatever I'm struggling with vertical. If I look at this as being superior, I will always give my affection and attention to it. If I see my God saying, come to me, cry out to me, then worry starts to dissipate. Worry, there's two basic definitions in the Greek. Worry means to be pulled in many directions. So you can think of your mind just being pulled here and 
pull there and it's good for nothing. Another word for worry means to knot up and to tie up. And there's a lot of people, Nick, when you look at them, it's like, what, what, what is causing the Word of God to be choked out? It's worry. I'm knotted up. I'm, I'm pulled in different directions, and I can't free up. The other thing he says right here is riches. And, and there's so many people that try to spend the majority of their time, man, I, I've got to make a living. And, and we spend so much time trying to make a living that we don't even learn how to do life. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm making this living, but I'm not enjoying life. I'm not embracing life and, and, and riches and just having stuff and having to acquire more stuff and maintain more stuff has choked the Word of God out in certain people's lives. You with me? Now, y'all are cold and I'm not. <laughs> we got to figure out this new light system in here, Nick. <sighs> Flannel. Yeah, I don't think I'm wearing flannel next week. I look good. Thank you, Nick. You know it's my birthday next Sunday. So I don't, probably don't need to wear flannel. What about a tank top? Tank top? What about some? I might need some copper tone up here next week, though. Seriously, brother. I was looking. But, but, but you know, on a serious note, I, I mean, I, I think that is one of the things that I've seen take so many people down, is the pursuit of money. You don't even have to have a lot of money and become totally engrossed with what it would look like to make it. The more stuff you get, the more stuff you've got to maintain, and it's the pursuit of riches. And he said, you know that chokes people out? It's the love of money that's the root of all sorts of evil. And then he, then he uses this word right here. He says, and also pleasures. Who created pleasure? God did. Who created the world and all that we see? God did. You think God wanted us to enjoy it? Yes. But what we've done in our culture is that we've allowed recreation to replace worship. We've allowed recreation to become the center point that has replaced communion with God. You write the word recreation out, and what it is is recreation. It is our attempt of recreation to try to come up with a substitute that we can find pleasure in instead of finding pleasure in God. I'm involved in recreation. I'm not, I'm not going to be at church this Sunday, brother. We got a ball game. And then the next week, I got a ball game. And then the next week, I'm on vacation. And, and, and if we're not careful, we're always going and doing stuff, and we're recreating. That's what recreation is. Our time with God. If I don't eliminate distractions for me personally, and I love sports, and I love activity and all that, but here's the point. If, if, if I don't eliminate some of these things, you find me start to drift from the Word of God, Dude, ain't, he ain't hanging out with Jesus in the Word. You see me start to eliminate fellowship because I've got all this other stuff I'm trying to keep up. You, you, you see me not have that intimacy and communion with Barb and my family. Can I tell you something? I'm starting to let weeds grow up in my life. And it's going to choke the Word of God out in me. And if it will do it in me, it will do it in you as, as well. And what we find happening is when that, when that starts to happen in our lives, the joy and the peace and the purpose and, and the hope of Christ, it starts to get choked out. Come on, making sense? 
And so one of the things we've got to do is we've got to eliminate weeds. A weed is anything. A weed is anything that distracts me from making time to be with God. Anything. Let's wrap it up. Four. So we went from the sauna to the ice rink. I see some of y'all, y'all like wrapping up. I see some of your, your teeth are chattering together. I don't know what we did. Nick, I think we went from, whoo, instead of just saying, hey, let's move it over just a couple. It's like, man, the brother's hot, man. Let's cool it off in here. Face off time, baby. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Here's number four. It's fun. Hearing from God requires I cultivate, I dedicate, I eliminate, don't mess with this one. I have to incorporate what God is saying to me. The people that hear from God most often, the people that really do have this revelation from God, if you will, are the people that incorporate what he's saying. I remember my buddy Walter years ago. He's like, man, I was praying and I was like, God, I need a fresh word. He said, I felt like the Lord said, you hadn't done anything with the last one I gave you. <laughs> and I sat there and started thinking about that. People go, man, I need a fresh word. Well, the fresh word is trust God. You're not trusting God. The fresh word is honor God. The fresh word is live your lives as living sacrifices on the altar. It's love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's to bring up your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I mean, it's like God has spoken, and a lot of people are like, well, I'm asking God for a fresh word. We've got to incorporate what God has already shown us, which means I'm willing, here's the prayer, I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do, wherever you want me to do it, however you instruct me to do it, I trust that you're good. I trust that you're sovereign. I'm not going to argue and debate with you any longer. I'm willing to incorporate whatever you say. The fourth soil produces fruit. So, is my life producing fruit? Is the love of Christ, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control, gentleness, is that stuff leaking out of my life. If you abide in me, you'll produce much fruit. Am I sharing the good news of the gospel with others? It's producing fruit. Am I seeing people saved? Is it producing fruit? Am I giving? Am I serving? Am I sharing? Am I investing in kingdom things? That is fruit. So I have to look and go, am I incorporating what God is showing me? Or, or, or am I still hesitating before I will really surrender and totally go all in. And I'm telling you right now, he says in James, you want your life to count? You want your life to be productive? You, you want your life to matter, don't you? Yeah. Then he says in James, then be doers of the word and not just hearers. Actually do what God is saying to do. Don't just sit there and listen to it and go, good. And, and I was tripping on this this week. I was watching this Francis Chan video, and I'll wrap you with this. Francis Chan was talking about, you know, growing up. He's talking about, like, for many of us who are probably over 35 and 40, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Anybody ever play that game? 
Now, the younger generation don't play it because there's not an app for it. So here we are. We played Simon Says. We played kick the cans. Anybody play kick the cans in here? That's a redneck game. I mean, you know, where you get the little Campbell and you stack the cans and you go hide and kick them and all. But we played Simon Says. So Simon Says, pat your head. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Simon Says, pat your head. So we pat our head, right? And then Simon Says, rub your stomach. Simon says, touch your nose. And we wouldn't do that. Oh, Josh Lee, I mean, come on, dude, you're already out of the game. But, but, so we would play that silly game going, yes. We pick up the Bible and Jesus says, Jesus says what? Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus said, if I'm going to incorporate what he says, I'm going to go into all the world and make disciples. But he's telling this story, and he was so funny to me because he's like, you know, it's, it's like this, and he has a daughter named Rachel as well, but it would be like looking at Hannah saying, Hannah, go clean your room. Daddy says, Hannah, go clean your room. Hannah comes back five minutes later and goes, Daddy, you're not going to believe it. What's up, Hannah? I memorized what you said. <laughs> you memorized what I said. Daddy, this is what you said. You said, Hannah, go clean your room. I memorized it. I didn't want her to memorize it. I just wanted her to go clean her room. And then she comes back five minutes later. Daddy, what, Hannah? I can say it in Greek. (laughs) Oh, that's good. And then she comes up to me later and says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Uh, Kate and Julia and my friends, there's five of them coming over later today. Mom's going to make pizza. And we're going to sit in the living room and build a fire. And we're going to study what does it mean to clean my room. You're going to do what? Listen, go clean your room. And you know what's so sad in the church today? Go make disciples. Y'all want to get together and study that? No, I want you getting off your butts and getting out into Loganville and beyond and reaching people with the gospel, Tim. Go do it and tell the rest of your people to do it. But we don't need to memorize it in Greek. How many Greeks live in Loganville? (laughs) Incorporate what God is saying. When we incorporate and say, here's what you said. I said you must be born again. Let me go away and think about it. No, you need to be saved, dude. You're lost. Jesus says. Jesus says. It's not there for vote. It's not there for debate. It's not there for the study of a small group. <laughs> he says, do it. Do it. Jesus says, give. Jesus says, serve. Jesus says, love. 
He didn't ask you to get around a campfire with your posse and debate what it looks like. Do it. Hannah, I'm getting on an airplane today. I'm flying to D.C., but I can tell you this. Your room is cleaner than anybody else's room in the house. So, Benji, go clean your room. <laughs> if you spent more time cleaning your room than getting tattoos, we would really, no. 